You are listening to a sermon from Pastor Bob at Living Faith United Methodist Church. We pray that God blesses you and empowers you as you grow in your love for God, your neighbors, and the world. Good morning, church. It's a wonderful morning with the gentle rain outside and to worship God with you this morning. Especially, so delighted to see Helen worshiping with us all the way from Wyoming. New sister that I found out just a year ago. She found you first, yeah. So, what a privilege to see that, you know, family standing like this. And so glad to see you again, Helen. And God, and thank you for the choir. Actually, that was uh, one of my favorite music that I used to listen to when I was in Boston. And I just was so uh, great to hear that again. And thank you, Kevin, for your storytelling this morning from Dr. Seuss. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for bringing us this morning to worship you and honor you and glorify you. Lord, as we come from many different places, we ask you to lay aside our concerns and anxieties and that we ask you, Lord, to, to draw us near to your presence. Cover us with grace and give us a good understanding. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be accepted on thy side, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you are fans of Western movie? Like 1960s, like a Western movie, like you know, the, the cowboys and the uh, country. And, uh, you know, um, I remember like when I was growing up in Korea, that uh, my father was like a big fan of the Western movie, like he called it spaghetti Western movie. Uh, we did not have a choice because we only had one TV set, and I was the remote remote control for my father. If you remember the day, and that we did not have iPad, iPhone, so whatever our father was watching, that's what I watched it. You know, so that's why I got to watch the Western movie with my father. But I still remember the, the theme song from The Good, Bad, and Ugly that came out in 1966, directed by Sergio Leone. If you remember the movie, in the beginning, the director introduced the three main characters. The man with no name, a.k.a. Blondie, Angel Eyes, the bad, and Tuco. So, you know, they had the, 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 the director defines these characters, you know, the good and bad and the ugly. And I personally thought that watching it just, you know, for the sake of preparing for sermon today, I watched it over again, and I thought it was interesting that the Mexican album Tuco was uh, played by... Eli Wallach, to actually a Jewish person in the town. Despite the assignments of their moral characters, you know, good and bad and ugly, it's actually interesting to see that their moral lines are a little blurred. You know, all three of them, they are outlaws. And uh, while uh, Blondie is defined as the good, he still shows some bad side, his characteristic by, you know, just abandoning, deserting his own friend Tuko with his hands tied. Tuko later captures the, the, the ugly 
captures Blondie and makes him walk through the desert until he almost dies from the thirst. So when this movie came out in 1966, I read a news article that people were a little confused about the bloodline between the moral characters. As you can imagine from the typical Western movie, John Wayne played like town sheriff or marshal who protected you know, his people and bring justice to people. And so there was a clear line between who is good and who is bad. But with the good and bad and ugly this movie, people could not distinguish who's actually the good guy and who's actually the bad guy. Furthermore, the movie was a little blurred about uh, the, the, the war. And so this movie was set in the context of uh, American Civil War. Toward the end of the movie, as they're trying to find the gold that buried in the you know, cemetery in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, that occupied by the Confederate Army, Blondie, he crossed over the river and to find a young soldier, the Confederacy Army, uh, who was on the verge of death. At the moment, he just somebody's son and somebody's brother died from the war. And Blondie, he covers him with his coat and, and holds the last cigarette for him. So there's no concept, the definite concept of what is really good and evil in this movie, which kind of brought confusion, even outrage some people in that time. Similar way, I think that we also have our own set of what is considered as good and bad, even though we don't want to admit to that. Think about who is the good men or women in our society today. Who are the good women, who are the bad women? In 2017, Pew Research Center, they conducted some research interview with 4,500 people. And they asked them, what traits does society value the most in men and women? And what trait does society say men and women should not have? So tell me, what do you think that women said that this is a trait that they're looking for from men? What is the, the good man that defined probably by uh, women? Honesty. Huh? Honesty, yes. Kind, be kind, trustworthy, yeah. strength, strength, strength. You're actually right, Joe. So the answer was that good men are those who are honest, strong, and powerful, who can provide for their family. We talk about the 21st century, but still, these young the good men and women say they're looking for. And the bad men are those who are aggressive and lazy. Can you guess what trait are valued the most for the good women? They define by that. Who are the good women? Quiet. Huh? Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> Quiet. Nurturing. 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 The homemakers. Beauty. The homemakers. Beauty. Exactly right. So the answer was beautiful women. Kind. Compassionate. And guess what? The bad women are the powerful, aggressive, loud. Loud. 
those are the images that people say that what define good and bad between men and women. Are you sad or do you think that you can agree with that? Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> well, in today's reading from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus also, Jesus also gives a parable to people who consider themselves the good and righteous and moral people. And Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One person was a Pharisee, and the other person was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, he was praying, God, I thank you so much that I'm not like other people, like thieves and rogues and adulterers, even like this tax collector standing next to me. I first two weeks, I give tithe to this temple. Well, his prayer, in a way, is that of gratitude. He said, I'm grateful. That he's grateful that he's not like the, the tax collector, but he thinks that he's a way better person than that person. He's grateful that he has been doing all these good things as described by, by the law. I wonder, have you also been praying, prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude? But in this way, like we've been praying sometimes that, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm not like those who are less privileged than I am today. Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm, like, I'm not like those who have uh, cancers today. I don't have cancer. I'm grateful that I don't have cancer like those people. Why have you been praying like, Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm not like those who just disobey the law and just lock them in jail. I'm not like that kind of people. And thank you so much for showing me the way and guiding me every step. Martyrius, an ancient Christian commentary, said, Satan lies in anguish, ready to catch you by surprise at the very time of thanksgiving. He makes you drunk on pride on the lovely and sweet sound of your voice, the beauty of your chants that are sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. The result is that you do not realize that you belong to God, not to himself, he said. We say that it's a prayer of gratitude. Gradually, it's a prayer that we say, I deserve this. I have earned this. I need to be acknowledged for what I've been doing. In God, we need to bless me. It's not the prayer of thanksgiving that this Pharisee is offering to God. On the contrary, Jesus says the tax collector comes to the temple. Do you know why tax collector is so despised in the story in the, in the Bible? Why do we say that the tax collector is so bad? Yeah. So they were the kind of the mediator between the Jewish people. They were Jewish people. But they were collecting money from the Jewish people and give to the Roman Empire. So I collect money, you need to give me two thousand dollars for tax that owe you to you know, the Roman Empire. But I'm going to charge you $10,000 as my work fee. So they were exploring their own people. They were, that's why so despised in the, in the Jesus time. And this tax collector came to the temple, could not even stand next to the Pharisees, so he stood afar maybe at the door of the temple, and he could not even look up to the heaven because he felt so shameful. He could not even pray like elaborate 
as the Pharisees did. So he just pounds his, his chest and, and he says, God be merciful. I'm a sinner. God be merciful. Have compassion on me. Because I'm a sinner. Let me ask you something. Have you done that kind of prayer before in your life? You know, there are many prayer requests that you make to God. But how many times have you done prayer like that? Lord, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. You know, sometimes I get conflict with my wife verbally and just read say the words that we're grateful and you know all the time like we come to realize that you know until we reconcile we always blame each other it's because of you who made me say something I didn't want to say <laughs> I think that every broken relationship tends to be like that you know you blame somebody else for what happened but we don't often say that please forgive me I've done something wrong because we think that we are good people. We are the, the moral people. We are the good citizens. I do not need to repent. I do, need, I do not need to apologize. Is it somebody's fault? Is it somebody's mistake? I'm a good person. Again, in 2017, a research groups called the Barnabas, they released a study that showed how, we, how Americans pray. According to the study, 79% of American Christians who pray, uh, they say that the prayer they often offer the most is the gratitude and thanksgiving. But the prayer confession, the forgiveness that comes later in that list. But when we say that I'm a good person, I'm a decent human <coughs> being, here's a theological problem. God gives us good news through Jesus Christ because there's bad news. In other words, if we're just good people, we don't need the good news because there's no bad news for us. So, what is the bad news that the Bible tells us that we often hesitate to acknowledge? Simply simply speaking, the Bible says that we are all sinners. Doesn't matter if you're clergy or laity, you're poor or rich, doesn't matter if you are immigrants or you're born here, everyone is a sinner, the Bible says. I know that that's a shocking for many of us because I know many of you, all of you, I know, you've been a faithful husband and wife, and you've been a good father and mother. You've been taking care of your, your parents and you've been a good son and daughter. But here's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter. We all are sinners before God. It is said in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. I know that we all create in the image of God. You know, God calls us God's beloved children. But also the story goes on further and said that we also broke, we disobeyed the, the words of God and we have fallen apart from the righteousness of God. And the consequence is we are about to die. 
no matter what, what achievement we have in this world, still we all die, and that is the consequence of our condition that we are sinners. And even if we want to say that I'm just a human being, you know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, when you are angry with a brother or sister, when you call that person a fool or insert that person, please know that you have committed murder against your brother or sister, Jesus says. How many of you have committed murder in your life then? Not necessarily killing somebody physically, but you have that person, you have killed that person in soul by insulting and calling that person, you're such a fool. I'm not a director. Like I've been always faithful to my my covenant of marriage, but Jesus also, Jesus also says, you know, when you look at somebody with a lust, you have already committed adultery with that person. How many of you has never committed adultery when you think about it? And how many times we actually pray, God, please forgive me. <laughs> Can't believe that I did that in my heart. With action or words, please forgive me because I'm a sinner. And this text collector, the one who many people pointed a finger at him, like he's calling, uh, he's standing far in the temple of God to forgive. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what, people. This man went down to his home just by rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And after David, the king in Judah, he committed adultery, killing an innocent man. Prophet Nathan came to him and rebuked him. And with a heart of repentance, King David was Psalm 51, who goes like this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blow out my transgressions. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O God, you will not despise me. We might have been volunteering here and there all the time. We might give the 10% of income, 20% income. You might have been uh, such a good human being, decent deeds, but what King David says is, they do not come more than a contrite heart before God. That we, can, we call God to forgive us for who we are, for what we have done. Although we have our perceptions of who, we, who are the good people and who are the bad people, God, who is the ultimate righteous for the one, turns our notions what is good and bad upside down. If you remember the movie, The Good and Bad Ugly, in the beginning of the movie, the sheriff and the town people get around to hang two coats. And the sheriff reads a sentence like this. Wanted in 14 counties of this state, the condemned is found guilty of the crimes of murder, armed robbery of citizens, state banks and post offices, the theft of sacred objects, 
arson in a state prison, perjury, bigamy, deserting his wife and children, inciting prostitution and kidnapping, extortion, receiving stolen goods, selling stolen goods, passing counterfeit money, and contrary to the laws of the state, therefore we sentence the accused, uh, accused to die by hanging on the tree. I'm like, that's a long list of my like, you know, <laughs> sins. Uh, and here's what happened in the Bible when you read. That on the cross, Jesus died, being ready to sentence, and you call yourself the king of Jews. And he, the sinless person, dies on the cross, bearing the sins of this world. In the Romans 3, Paul says there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We're just entering the season of stewardship. And I want to talk about the gratitude. Let's be thankful. Let's give God what, what, what we owe God. And, but what the scripture tells us this morning is that the beginning of being grateful is that we say, I do not deserve this, God. This is just gift from you. And please forgive me if there's anything have done harm to my you were broke your heart and broke my neighbors and my families. I believe that that is the beginning of the grateful grateful heart that God's calling us to be.